0: I believe human beings can change their life because I watched my hero do it. My dad lived really bad the first 15 years of my life, lived magnificently the last 35 years, right? Like I just watched it. And my dad used to tell me, he goes, you're one decision away from changing your life, Eddie. You're one meeting, one person, one relationship, one thought, one emotion. It's not as far away as you think. I changed my life in one decision, one day. And it's true. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people will perish.
1: Hey, it's Emily here. You know that uniqueness you have? I call it the it factor. Hello, everyone. This is a very special day. I am in the living room of a living legend who's impacted my life and millions of others. Ed Milet is a world-leading business coach. He has transformed so many lives through his top podcasts that I've listened to in my bathroom every single morning for as long as I can remember. And he's changing the game yet again with a new book that's coming out, which I want to dive in today. But thank you so much for blessing my life and blessing so many other people. You've made such an impact.
0: Well, thank you, Emily. I'm a big believer in yours. I've become such a big fan of yours. And to know that I'm in the bathroom with you every morning is awesome. <laughs> so cool. Great to have you here.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, I want, to, I want to talk about your new book, okay? The Power of One More. You've got to get your hands on this. I have read... Tons of books throughout my career. When I started a decade ago, it's all mindset for me. But when I received this book, I could not stop reading it. And what I love most about it, there's actual things you can do, actual things you can apply. And in chapter one, he talks about identity and so many people have asked me how do i change my identity i came from nothing you know how do i how do i change that and you articulated it so beautifully talking about the triad thank you so can you expand upon that
0: my favorite part of the book actually that's why i put it first so identity by the way is really an important thing cuz it governs everything in your life it's it's your it's the thoughts concepts and beliefs that you hold to be the most true about yourself and it's like i use the analogy all the time of a thermostat It's like a thermostat sitting on the wall of your life. So if you're set at 75 degrees, whatever happens externally doesn't matter in a room. If it's 75 degrees, the air conditioner will cool that room back to the temperature. That's how identity is. And so that's why so many people struggle because maybe they're in a great opportunity. They're in a great company, great tools, great leadership. The product's incredible. And they start to get all these skills that are 150 degrees worth of skills. And maybe they even produce some results. But if your identity doesn't increase to that same point, you will turn the air conditioner on of your life and cool it back down to what you believe you're worth. You see this all the time with people that they have a 75 fitness identity. Yeah. They lose the 20 pounds. You come back in a year, the AC came on, they've gained the 20 back, yeah. right? Or their business is getting going and then it's not. Or they've made some money and then they spent some. And it always seems coincidental, right? No, you don't understand. My car broke down. I had a bill to pay. I had to loan my sister money. It's not coincidental. You turn the air conditioners on. So how do you change it? And I say, there's really like a, I call it the holy trilogy of changing your identity. And the three things really are number one is that, well, I'll give you the big thing for me is faith. Yeah. So uh, people of faith all the time are really interesting to me because I'm one yet. I see so many, people they really love the Lord on Sundays, Bible study Wednesday night, they pray every night, but when they walk into a business meeting, they ditch them at the door. Yeah. When they walk into a presentation, they're alone. So if you could enroll your faith into your identity, say that I'm the son or daughter of the King of Kings. I have the greatest DNA in the world running through my blood, right? Like I'm supposed to do something great with my life. He made me in his image to do something awesome. So that's where your identity should come from. First is you're a child of an all loving, knowing God. Number two, this is a big one. Your intentions. Give yourself credit for your intent that you like today. We're getting ready for this. I literally said a quick prayer. I connected with my faith Two, reminded myself, I intend to help people today. I may not have every answer. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. And I don't have every answer in the world, but I intend to help. So my, my identity, even my confidence oftentimes comes from this intent to serve this intent to make a difference. When I was really young, I'm running on the beach in Hawaii. I want a trip for one of my companies and I was in and it's five in the morning. She always get rewarded for getting up before the sun and I'm running down this beach, and running towards me is this man. God's been so good to deliver mentors to me, right? So this dude's running towards me. He gets closer. It's this bald guy. He's got like a hairy back, and I'm like, what the heck? And I'm so old. I'm wearing. I'm running with a Sony Walkman on, and so is he. That's how old I am. And it's Wayne Dyer, who's one of the gurus of all time of personal development. And I said, Dr. Dyer, you changed my life. This is, the son's not even up. He goes, he turns. out, I doubt that. He had a deep voice like me. He goes, I doubt that. You probably changed your life. And I said, no, you did. He goes, and he stops. He goes, how would I do that? And he walks towards me, and we proceed to sit on the beach together. I'm a young man in my 20s. I might have been 30 at the time. And me and Wayne Dyer watched the sun come up together. And at that time, Emily, he was writing a book called The Power of Intention. And he told me, he said, Ed, you're going to change the world. He probably said that to other people. I said, well, why? And he goes, and it's not because of your magnificent brain. And you've got all these things you know about how to change things. It's not that. He goes, you have massively good intentions. Mm. You intend to make a difference. Never link your identity or your confidence to your abilities, Ed, because you'll always be chasing them. Link them to your intention. So that's number two. And then third is association. It's the power of association. If you're a 75 degree -er and you begin to be around people that are at 100 or 150 degrees of whatever it is you want, they heat you up. And by the way, the heating is better through proximity. The closer you are to them, the more they can heat you. And you have different thermostats. It could be money, could be happiness, could be bliss, could be wealth, faith. You and I were talking about some mutual friends of ours off camera. Some of those men I've added to my associations, not because they're wealthier, their faith identity is higher than mine oftentimes. And they heat me up through that association. So faith, intention, and association.
1: That's beautiful. And those three together, if you work on them every single day. You're going to change. You're going to change. You are. That's, that is so powerful. And there's a whole chapter on associations, which I love because I feel like every level of my life that I've grown, that I've become who God's created me to be, it's directly if I look at what was going on and who was in the room with me, it's a law of environment. Big time. So can you think of any area in your life, any particular instance where you had to change your associations?
0: Yeah, many times. And it's not easy. So I'm not a big believer in dumping people. Right. I'm a big believer in adding people. So I may I may reduce my proximity or frequency with people, but I don't like saying this person doesn't serve me anymore. Right. Because maybe it's my turn to serve them. Yeah. But I've got to add people to my circle. So I do I've done this all of my life and I still do it to this day. I'm seeking out people who bring an energy or have uh, some kind of something about them that I need. So I've joined country clubs for that reason, particular clubs that I belong to. I've literally joined there in order to be in those associations, to be around those people. I do it really, really, really regularly because I understand that formula. The one thing that occurred to me after I wrote the book, because there's a lot in the book about my dad. My my dad was an alcoholic when I was young and then got sober. And something occurred to me after I wrote the book about two weeks ago that I just want everyone to hear because it'll be good for you to hear too. Oftentimes we think, well, yeah, I can see why that person could help me, but I can't help people. I mean, I'm not even successful yet. Right. They don't know how screwed up I am. They don't know my mistakes. They don't know my sins. They don't know how broke I am. They don't know how broken I am. And so my dad got sober and that decision of my dad getting sober has changed everything. I wouldn't be here with you if he didn't. Right. I woke up the other night. I wrote this whole book and it never occurred to me. And I lay, I wake Christiana up. I go, it's like three o'clock and I'm crying. And I go, babe, she goes, what? I go, Someone helped my dad. And she goes, what? And I'm 51 years old. I go, someone helped my dad. She goes, I go, someone helped daddy get sober. And I don't know who they are. I never thought about this before. Right. She goes, oh my God, that's so beautiful. And I said, babe, here's what's crazier. Do you know what qualified this person to help my dad? How screwed up that person was. Yes. The fact that they were also an alcoholic and a drug addict at some time. That they made a mess of their own lives. Their mess qualified them to help my dad. This imperfect human beings
1: mess their
0: experience, their gifts is what qualified them to help my dad. So many of us think all the time, I'm not qualified, right? Your mess is probably what qualifies you. And here's the good thing. Anyway, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. That person was called to save my dad, to save my family. There was nothing remarkable about them. So this notion that somehow you have to have all this stuff together to help other people is a complete flaw. I've helped millions of people because that person's mess helped my dad get his life together. just occurred to me.
1: That's absolutely beautiful. And this book is dedicated to your late father. It is. And it's so inspiring. The messages throughout the book, the man that he was and... It really helped me, the story in the book, and you share this, I've heard you share this before, your your upbringing, yeah. what you've been through, and then the transformation that happened within your dad and your whole family, and the philosophy that he has of one more. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: The whole book's that. So my dad had tried to get sober many times, and um, I don't know why today it makes me emotional for some reason, because I've, I've talked about this before, but I'm... Almost 15, my dad's, we're going to a little league game, a baseball game, and my dad's crying, driving me. I've never seen my dad cry before or after. And I'm like, what's going on with dad? He pulls over and he goes, Eddie, I'm gonna qu- quit drinking. I'm gonna try to quit drinking one more time. And I remember him saying one more time. I go, daddy, what would be any different? Cause he tried a lot of times. He goes, well, your mother's told me that I have one more chance. We keep hearing this one more. And uh, if I don't, I'm gonna lose my family. And your sisters and you deserve a dad you can be proud of. And your, your mom deserves a husband she can respect. So I'm going to try to get sober one more time. There's a whole chapter in the book called One More Try. Yeah. And then my dad got sober. And then when he got sober, I said, Daddy, are you going to stay sober for the rest of your life? He said, I don't know. I'm going to stay sober for one more day at a time. And I remember that when I had my business going in the beginning and I was struggling, I remember thinking, just don't quit for one more day. I don't have to decide not to quit the rest of my life. I'm yeah. just not going to quit for one more day. Yeah. And those one more day stacked on themselves. And the whole philosophy that I learned from my dad is my dad would always tell me this because he did it. I believe human beings can change their life because I watched my hero do it. My dad lived really bad the first 15 years of my life, lived magnificently the last 35 years. Right. Like I just watched it. And my dad used to tell me, he goes, you're one decision away from changing your life, Eddie you're one meeting, one person, one relationship, one thought, one emotion. It's not as far away as you think. I changed my life in one decision, one day. And it's true. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people will perish. If you really poke deeper, even our pastor friends would tell you, it's not that people have no vision. I mean, yeah. people would you rather be happy or sad. Happy. happy. Would you rather be rich or poor? Probably rich. Would you rather be helping people or helping nobody? Would you rather fly in a private jet or commercial? Would you rather be on the ocean or the old apartment I live right. in? People have a vision. Their issue is, it's depth perception. Yeah. They think it's further away than it is. Right. And because they think it's way out there, they act in accordance with that belief system and it's perpetually kept there based on their behaviors and thoughts. Mm-hmm. The truth is, you're one decision, one relationship. You're in a beautiful relationship mm-hmm. now. It changes your life. It's one thought. I played golf, and I'll come up for Eric. Three weeks ago, this guy goes, you got to play golf with this dude. You guys have similar net worths. There's not that many guys running around with your net worths. I go, okay, I don't really want to, but I'll do it. So I show up to the first teenager. He goes, oh, Ed my lad, I'm a huge fan. I can't wait to spend the next five hours picking your brain and learning about you. And I go, bro, that ain't going to happen today. Yeah. I want to know about you. Yeah. I always do that. I already yeah. know about me. Tell me about you. Yeah. And he goes, we can do it on the first T box. I said, okay, go ahead. Give me your story. He goes, 1986, I loaned a guy $50,000. So does my best friend. A week later, my friend gets cold feet, says, give me the 50 grand back. He gets the 50 grand back. I don't. I keep the loan. It turned into 750 million bucks. Well, wow. I said, Come on, man. That's BS. Who'd you loan the money to? He goes, Jeff Bezos. Oh my God. Look at my arms. I said, you got to be kidding me. One right. More. One, more. one more, one decision, one relationship, right? Now that's an extreme one. I don't have that. I have a series of one mores that have changed me, but that one changed his life like that one decision, that's one beautiful. relationship.
1: That's so beautiful. Crazy. I love it. And you talk about time management in the book. I loved this chapter. I, Oh my God. I literally was like, and when you read, you can find one little thing and apply it to your life. It'll change your life forever. You talked about condensing days and suddenly I figured out how to get 21 days a week. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah.
0: By the way, thank you for the respect of reading the book. It's wonderful to be interviewed by somebody so prepared. That's yeah. Beautiful. So thank you. Um, in this book, some chapters will resonate with you more than yes. others, right? They're for all different types of people. The one on time is hilarious to me because people are still under this fallacy, this ridiculous belief system that a day is 24 hours. Mm-hmm. That concept of a 24-hour day came up before there was electricity, before there was cars, wow. never mind an internet. So it used to take us months to do. If I wanted to communicate with you, I'd have a car to come to you. Right. That was a 24-hour day. Then I had electricity. Then I had a phone. Yeah. Now I have the internet. So what I'd write a report in high school. I have to go to the library, research, get an insight. Now my kids just Google it. Six seconds later, they have the report. So things have changed, yet humans still measure time in 24-hour increments. It's insane how much more you can get done now than you could 200 years ago, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 10 years ago. So I went, that's stupid. So like about 25 years ago, I go, what would I have to believe about time? I just changed the question. I went, okay, my first day is from 6 a.m. to noon. That's a day. We've all had a morning where we go, I got more done this morning than I have all week. Yes. So that's because the time's valuable. So my first day is from 6 a.m. to noon. And in that day, I try to have as much fun, faith, fitness, whatever. Some days you have, you're just screwing off, right? right. That's okay. I might have a day where I screw off. Right. But amount out of appointments, contacts, and I shrink time. Then I got another day, noon to 6 p.m. That's a new day. Same thing, appointments, meetings, making money, fitness, yes. fun, whatever it is. And then 6 p.m. to midnight. What happens is at the end of the first day, like most people do at the end of the day, I take an inventory. Right around noon. What did I get done? What didn't I get done? What am I accountable for? What efforts do I need to redouble? What did I miss? So I've shrunk and bent time to measure it differently. And so over time, now I'm getting 21 days a week. You're getting seven. You're going to compete against me. Oh. Right? Look, look at it. Look at a year. In a right. year, how many more days do I get than you? I'm ending up with over a thousand days a year. You're getting 365. You're going to get smoked. Smoke. And the other thing is now because t- time is so valuable. What's, what's rare and is valuable. That's why diamonds are worth more than paper. So I've made my time valuable. So even if you're not, you all of a sudden are a more valuable person because of the way you measure time. The other thing is this idea that meetings need to be an hour long is like an old antiquated concept. I have lots of 20-minute meetings. I have four-minute meetings. My staff knows is this a four-minute or it's a four-minute. Yeah. They got one question. So it's I become more valuable because of the way I've bent time. And it's just, by the way, more fun with my family more fitness, more everything. So I run those days instead of this stupid idea that it's 24 hours in a day. That's insane.
1: Stupid idea. Yeah, when did Everyone you, when it. did you figure that out?
0: 25 years ago. And you just picked maybe here's what's amazing about you. You've probably picked, I would say two or three of the things that have made the most impact in my life. Identity changing is yeah. a huge yeah. thing. And then, um, the way I've managed myself and my time is just massively different mm-hmm. than what most human beings have done. Cause I'm not, I I really am not that gifted of a person. And then what's ironic about it is I would say this too, that share with everybody is I do have two or three though. And so does every human being. my two or three I've made hundreds of millions of dollars with and helped people is I'm good at being present with someone and reading them Mm -hmm. and listening to them and seeing we can call it gifts. But if uh, I'm a Christian, I say I I look for Jesus in people I want to see the Christ in you. Like with you, it's obvious. God gave you this amazing voice and this heart to serve people, right? And this high intellect level that you have. He wrapped you in a beautiful package too, right? So like he, you love the Lord. Like you're, you have these amazing gifts. Of course, you're going to change the world. Of course you are, right? And I have that gift. But here's what it came from. I have an alcoholic dad. Yeah. And so when I'm five years old, I had three sisters and a mom. I had to figure out and read which dad was coming through that front door. So as a five-year-old little boy, daddy would come through the front door. I had to read him. Is his tie disheveled? Is his hair messed up? How's he walking? What's his physiology like? Is he talking slower? Because if he was drunk, my sisters probably should go upstairs and mom should go take a shower. And I could read him. It got so to the point, Emily, where I could tell by the sound of the key in the front door if he was sober or drunk. If it struggled to get in the lock, I knew he would probably have been drinking. And if it went in really smooth, he was probably sober. And then my second skill would kick in talking That's if he was drunk hey dad grab his hand i had such a good day at school let me tell you what i did at baseball and i would talk him into a better mood yeah. i've made hundreds of millions by being exceptional at reading people being present with them and being able to communicate mm-hmm. i don't have those skills if it wasn't for that pain napoleon hill says in think and grow rich on the other side of temporary pain You are introduced to your other self i've had that other self introduced to me since i was five years old so whatever that pain is you're going through don't make a permanent decision on a temporary circumstance because there's another self waiting for you on the other side
1: thank you for sharing that that really deeply moved me i think we can relate in a lot of Mm -hmm. levels when you were talking about your childhood i like flashback to mine and i really feel you know, we we've heard this said so many times. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. But when we're talking about these things that make you so unique, I like to call it your it factor. And I like to extract the it factor out of people because everyone compares themselves. I'm like, no, you are divinely, uniquely created. You have an it factor. And it's so beautiful to know that, you know, your it factor.
0: I do. It took me a while to know it. Yeah. And that's what I would ask everybody, because you're great at this, too. What is yours? Like, don't be humble. Is it your kindness? Is it your intellect? Is it your humor? Is it your beauty? Your kinesthetic touch? Your patience? Your resiliency? Start to do a little of that. There's two or three things you know that are about you. And by the way, you'll never be as good at being someone else as them. So you're going to lose that game every single time. The cool part is no one's ever going to be as good at being you as you are. And these gifts combined with your life experience make you one. That's the power of one more one more human at the root of it the power of one more is one more human helps one more human and that's the power of the whole book
1: that's the power and it's the ripple effect across the world when you step into it one of the chapters you talk about how to ask better questions ask yourself better questions the quality of your life is the quality of your questions obsessed with this chapter i was discussing this with my partner and i was saying Okay, not only do we need to ask ourselves these questions to be so introspective, but we need to ask each other these questions. You know, how deep could you go in a relationship if you actually do this? But what I was thinking about as I was reading it, because recently you've gone through transition with the loss of your father. We all go through times where you're like, why is this happening to me? Has it been challenging for you? to ask yourself questions about like, what do I do with this now?
0: It's not the mean. Tony talks about this a little bit. I I approach it slightly differently, but yes, it is challenging. And that's why we have to have tools. So yes, it's not the, it's not the event of our life that defines us. It's the meaning we attach to that event. And the meaning is based on the question we ask ourselves, which gives us an answer, which creates an emotion. And then you act a certain way. So for example, There was a car accident out in front, God forbid, right now, and someone passed away. You and I ran out of here to go hear it. Someone passed in front of us. That's an event. My meaning would be, this is a tragedy. I can't believe I've witnessed this. How am I going to get this out of my head? So probably for you. Mother Teresa, same exact event. She'd run out there and say, thank you, Lord. This is the honor of, she said it was the honor of her lifetime to be with a human being as their soul leaves their body and goes to heaven. Same exact, that's an extreme event. Same exact event, different meaning, different question asked, different emotion. So it's the quality of the questions we ask ourselves. So like as my dad was dying, this is the hard, this is the hard question to ask yourself. It was terrible. I'm watching my father suffer. I'm going to lose my dad. His grandchildren are not going to know him at my age. So I would ask myself, what do I need to believe about this so that it would serve me? What do I need to believe about this? What What do I need to believe? And what I needed to believe, which was actually true, was that there was an element of my dad passing that was happening for me, not to me. I'll give you one. One, I went and did an executive physical on my own health. I found an issue in my heart. I would have never gone and done that had my dad not been passing. Number two, my own family became just a little bit more precious to me than it used to be. When I was at dinner back in the day and it was a business meeting and my daughter called and I saw it, I'd be like, I'll make sure I call her back first when I get out of here. Now, if I'm at dinner hang on a minute. It's my daughter. This is more important than this. And so it's changed my priorities in my life. And so all of that was a gift. The time with my dad became more precious and valuable. And so the rest of my life is different because of it. I have a different perspective on my life. I held my dad's hand as he passed. I have a different perspective on what the end of it means and what I want mine to mean. And so all of that was the beautiful benefits, the ripple effect that you call it of my dad's illness and him getting sick. Do I wish he didn't go through the pain? Absolutely. Do I admire him more with how he handled the pain? Yeah. Do I have a version of my dad, a toughness and a resilience of my father that I didn't know he had? Sure. Yeah. So that's what I need to believe about that. And that is what I believe about that. Mm, yes. So what do you need to believe?
1: What do you need to believe? That When, you, when I was reading this, it really struck a chord with me because I'm an achiever. Yeah. I like to get it done. Yeah. I like to be productive, yeah. but I really realized a lot in reading the book, like mm-hmm. I need to answer the phone when my mom calls. Yeah. I need to. We're that way, aren't we? We're like, I'll get back to
0: her. <sighs> by the way, that's, that's, a, that's a metaphor for our lives too. I'll get back to it. Even in our faith, there's a little bit, all of us that think, you know, I'm a person of really strong faith. And once I get this financial, I'm really going to get into yeah. it. Then I'm really going to go deep. Then I'm really going to be praying. And so it's, we're always going to get to it. And these questions we ask ourselves, a lot of the software was installed to us when we were defenseless when we were kids, the actual questions we think about. And here's the real, here's the real, real. Most people, most of the time are thinking about what they're worried about, yeah, what they're afraid of, what they got to do. Right. And that's their primary questions. And so because of that, they get the same primary emotions and our mind moves towards what it's most familiar with. So if you're really, and you really think, when you wake up in the morning in bed, what's the first thing a lot of you are thinking about? What am I afraid of? What am I worried about? What do I have anxiety about? What do I got to do today? And so you move towards those things. My dad, bless his heart, was well-intended, but I'm up until he passed. When we would start to end, when we would end a phone call. We would go, "Hey, be careful." What The heck does that mean? Be careful. My dad has told me to be careful. He meant that out of love. Yeah. <laughs> Seventy-four thousand times in my life. Well, what does that do when you're young, or even when you're older? Be careful. Okay. What am I? What am I supposed to be guarded against here? Like there's an embedded message in that. They're like, "Be careful. Stuff's bad. Something's yeah, gonna yeah, happen." Yeah. And so, and then I wonder when I'm a 45 year old man and I have some, I think about what I'm worried about all the time. Right. Well, I gotta be careful, right? I, no, you don't need to be careful. What a bizarre programming to put into another human being. I love him, but he said it over and over again. And we all have these things we that we do. And the, then you gotta, so we gotta do is take an image. What am I asking myself most yeah. of the time? What would I need to ask myself? And then I give you the questions in the book yeah. that you should consider asking.
1: Think about what you're thinking about. Right. Powerful.
0: Right. And what is thinking? Thinking is the process of asking yourself and answering questions to yourself that 's what a thought is, so you can change your thoughts by changing the question
1: mm, so good that alone that chapter alone Thank you. will take someone to another level it will. Abso- absolutely uh, something I admire about you, and I believe this is what pulled me to you as a mentor from afar, who I feel like is a friend you you, you shine your faith you are so authentic and I don't like that word cause it's so overused, Yeah. but you are raw mm-hmm. on all facets. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed like even in the book, I'm like, this is so solid because my favorite book is the Bible you is do. scripture. Mm-hmm. When people ask, what's your, what's the book that'll change your life? It's the, you know, mm-hmm. this will heal you. This will this. And you talk about your faith and the way you explain it. And I've even noticed in just your speaking, mm-hmm. You share that was that always there, or did it grow with wisdom? It
0: grew i something occurred to me. I used to think I'm not qualified to talk about my faith because I know how messed up I am, and then I realized at some point like well I'm saved by God's grace, just like all of these other folks are. I'm not perfect, so that was one decision that I made, and then, like any human being, I have a relationship with God yeah. sometimes it's better than others, yeah, sometimes I have doubts, sometimes I'm mad, and I think I think that that's okay. Like I'm, I'm in a relationship that's growing all the time. It's not always just like this. And that was the hardest chapter for me to write in the book. I wrote a chapter on faith. I think the faith chapter took me the longest to write maybe than any of them combined. And it was for this reason. I don't want to be, I want to be bold with my faith and at the same time, not be judgmental about those who don't share it yet. And so that's the rub, right? And I'm also an energy guy. I'm a science guy. So I believe in quantum energy. I yes, believe that you can yeah. plug into a vibe. Why do we like each other? We feel each the other's frequency. energy. There's a frequency, yeah. right? And so there's these camps. No, I'm faith based. No, I'm science based. My faith confirms science. I just happen to be, there's, I believe there's an all knowing creator of the quantum mm-hmm. energy that we all feel, the vibrational frequencies that we feel. And so I plug in energy all the time. But I'm saved by Jesus Christ. And this, and, above everything in my life. I can't write a book about how to be happy and successful. and go, Oh, here's all the things I did. When I know there have been many times in my life that I cannot explain to you right. with facts what happened. My only conclusion is that as I was working my butt off, there were entire times in my life where the Lord just literally picked me up, put me on his back and carried me for a while. And I wake up and he puts me back down in a better place. And if I don't, if I don't acknowledge that, then I'm lying. Lying. I'm lying. And so I have to be me. And me is that I love you no matter what your faith is. I truly do. I have dear, dear, my dad was a Christian, but I'd call him more like a new aging Christian. You know what I mean? Like he was like, you know, everything's not literally in there. We'd have these great debates. I'm like, no, I actually believe the word of God. Like I actually believe it the way it's written, you know, and we would have these, debates. my best Friend of all time is my dad. We didn't share the identical version of faith. I like having friends that are another faith. I like share. I, I have some stuff in the book on things that I think Buddhism has taught people. To say that there's no value in some other belief systems is crazy. But what I know is that I'm saved by the grace of God and that I believe Jesus died for my sins. And that he rose again and that I'm saved because of that. So that's just who I am. That's what I believe. And I'm not gonna write a book about how to be happier, more successful without including the most important
1: thing. You're the real deal. Thank you. You are the real deal. Thank you. <laughs> I, I just you are. Oh. Recently spoke at the same event. Yep. And it's like I don't even think you knew this, but there was hundred and fifty thousand people watching us virtually, and the feedback was Ed Mailet, Ed Mailet, Ed let
0: Oh, and you, and, by the way. Let's not. And, you know the truth. It was also you.
1: And a lot of people, I, I always ask why. Mm-hmm. So why did? And they're like, he 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 activated something different in my soul. I felt different. I felt deeper. And I knew. I'm like, that's because Ed, Ed has the Holy Spirit within him. Yeah, that's, that's the best feeling in the world. That's his. It's fact,
0: by the way, yeah. this is me and you talking, yeah. but people ask time, what's one of the best confirmations of your faith? I'll say when I'm speaking, yeah. cause I'll walk out there, Holy spirit takes over. And I'm like, I don't even know what the heck I'm saying right now. Yeah. There's audible. This is so beautiful when you just said this, cause you're so great at it. There are audios of me that I didn't know I was doing. Like I'm talking about big arena speeches. If you go back and listen to them, there's 30, 40, 50,000 people. And as I'm talking, the microphone, because it's close, is picking up under my breath. I'm going, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I didn't even know I was saying it yeah, because it's giving course. me goosebumps. Because you go out there with something to say, and then, it, then and it doesn't happen every single time. I've talked about this with pastors. Sometimes when I'm too me-centered, yeah, you, you know, me-centered, oh, yeah. I'm worried about what they're going to think about me. Yeah, That's like kryptonite, yeah. right? But I love that feeling of the Holy Spirit takes over just like, Oh, just basting in it. It feels so so good. good. Yeah. It's it's so awesome. Yep.
1: Amazing. Yep. Uh, One of the other things that was in the book is all about high standards. Yeah. And this to me, like I love sports. I I love sports. I love football And you talk about Nick Saban, who is like, he's what, 80% of games out of the 300 winning streak, just a different mindset, a different mentality in this switch. And I loved in the book, he talks about how most people, you know, when you're practicing anything, a speech, a sales pitch, it's like, you know... I'm going to, I'm going to do this until I get it right. Yep. Right. Yep. And the switch is I'm going to do this until I can't get it wrong. Different standard. <laughs> and I was like, boom! Yeah. Yeah. frick. Mic yeah. Up, yeah. Mic, yeah. Mic so what, what area in your life do you practice this? A
0: lot. And I do it in most every single area because in life you don't get, look, if you set goals, you might get 20% of your goals. And eventually, inevitably, you will always get your standards. Eventually, you always get your standards. And so I'm one of these people like, I have to practice at something a lot to reduce my level of... People say, I have a chapter in the book on emotions. And I make the point that I don't think there are negative or positive emotions. I think there's just emotions. Now, the dosage level is what matters. But to have a life with no fear, well... Let's say you had no anxiety or worry about today's interview. Didn't a little of it cause you to prepare more?
1: Of course. Right?
0: So, I, w- right? so I want some fear. Yeah. I just don't want fear to own me. I don't want it in a huge doses. But they gave us fear so the T-Rex didn't eat us, right? Like there's reasons yeah. we have fear. Yeah. Fear causes you to focus. Anxiety causes you to focus. So for me, I like that I have a little bit of those emotions, but I don't want too much of them. Yeah. So preparation and practice reduces my anxiety level. I know me so that I can execute And so in about every area I'm that way, I would say that maybe in my, recently I did a transformation of my body, probably too dramatic than it probably should have been. I lost 40 pounds in 90 days just for the mental challenge, but that took tremendous preparation and standards like of my food and the discipline and the calories and all this other stuff, which I'll never do again. Mm -hmm. But so yeah, about every single area I try to practice that standard that coach Saban talks about. And my friends that are great at things have higher standards. End of story. They don't have bigger goals all the time.
1: They have higher standards. Higher standards. Yeah. So powerful. 19 juicy chapters of this book. So applicable. Thank you. And why I love it is because it's about creating more happiness and fulfillment, right? And it's about action. So many times we read things, it's all one philosophy, and it's great, like mindset, of course. But both together.
0: Yeah, I love Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. I love it. But you don't think and get rich. You don't. You gotta do stuff. You gotta act. You gotta do stuff. You gotta work. Right, and you yeah. gotta do stuff. And a lot of it, like most books you read, and I don't mean this as a negative. Yeah. I don't, well, I, I kind of do. <laughs> They're all like derivatives of Think and Grow Rich. Just yeah. a little bit of a different word. I'm like, I kind of have read this book. I've read this book. So I wanted to write ones. What do you think and do in congruency? What's the thought? What's the action that actually creates a change? And I came up with what I know so far in my life. And this idea of one more, I know we're not going to have a lot of time, but you underst- you have an appreciation for the power of the one mores of your life. Take them from you. Like my dad's passing. My favorite thing to do, probably on the planet, was to golf with my dad. Yeah. And um, neither one of us are good golfers. But we'll be five hours right next to in a golf cart with my best friend. And we would talk about deep things in life and family. My dad could care less about money. I've owned five jets. All of them are parked almost within walking distance of my dad's house. He's never been on one of them. I'd say, dad, let's fly to Maui and play golf. My dad would say to me, why in the world would I get on your airplane, go all the way to Maui to play golf when I can just be with my son in Chino? I don't care about where we are. I care about being with you. Never once said congratulations on the beach house. What kind of a dad are you? Are you treating people good? Are you being kind? What are we giving away? Are mm. you being good to Christiana? you giving her time? My dad never once talked to me about money. Do you know what I would give for one more round of golf with my dad? Watch my dad. It's so hard for me still. Walk across the green. That's my dad. Come back in the car. Hey, dad, good putt. That was a good one, huh, Eddie? Just one more time of that. What if I told you you only get to have one more conversation with your sweetheart? What would that be like? You get to talk to your mom or your dad one more time. You get to dance with your bride or your husband one more time. All of a sudden, you start to understand the power of one more. When I take it from you, and that's why, like, I don't just do—I do one more of everything. I don't just tell my daughter I love her once a day; I tell her one more time. I don't do thirty minutes in the gym; I do thirty-one on the treadmill. I don't do ten reps; I do eleven. My ten contacts; I do one more. To your point on standards, it's linked to confidence. And if you understand, this could be gone, your life changes. Let me just say this to you. If you lack self-confidence, you don't keep the promises you make to yourself. That's right. You have a bad reputation with yourself. The way you change that is you start keeping the promises you make to yourself. Even if it's make your bet, how many calls you're going to make a day, what you're going to eat. But if you want to become superhuman, you don't keep the promises you make to yourself. You keep the promises you make to yourself, and you do one more. You have a different standard. And when you start doing that, I'm going to make 10 calls a day. I'm going to make 11. I'm going to tell my wife I love her. I'm going to tell her one more time. You start doing that. I'm going to text five friends and tell them I care about them Day. I'm going to do one more. You start keeping the promises you make to yourself and do one more, you become superhuman. You start to transform yourself into somebody that most people will never be, but ironically, the person you were born to be, you were capable of becoming. And so don't take lightly the fact that most of you have one more day that you can tell your sweetheart you love her one more time. What if you had one last podcast, one last meeting when you walk into that next appointment? What if it was your last one? How would you handle it? How would you want it to come across? Just start thinking about the one more.
1: That is so powerful. Drop the mic there. That. That concept, if that doesn't make you rise in your chair or get you excited, because when you're honoring what you actually want to do, what you say you're going to do, you're going to live in congruency. You're going to live a higher frequency life. You're not going to lay in bed being like, I should have, could have, would have. One more. Hashtag one more. It's the one more challenge. I want to thank you.
0: I love you. I think you're incredible. I'm so glad we've met now. Me too. We're going to know each other a long time.
1: Thank you for being a mentor to me, to so many to someone I can admire, res- deeply respect. Thank you. And this book is going to change the world. Thank it's going to change the world. And I'm so excited for you to get a copy. Where else can people follow you, connect with you?
0: Anywhere on social at Ed Mylett, which is E-D-M-Y-L-E-T-T. There is a website. When you buy the book, if you go to thepowerofonemore.com, we create like a bunch of tools and stuff on there for you as well. So go there. Anything you do to get involved with me, I'm just here to help you. I have nothing to sell you, just a book. There's no upsell. There's nothing else. Just want to help you
1: follow ed i don't follow and consume a ton of content but i am sure to watch him always because i get value from you, thank you. Value, you. value 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 you. you are a gift
0: so are you i'm thank so grateful you. we know each other now
1: thank you so much thank you for listening to this episode all the way through i Hope and pray that you are feeling as moved, as motivated, and really just heart wide open. That is exactly how I felt during this entire interview. So now Ed and I just have a simple request, which I'm sure you've already done it, but if you haven't yet, please go order a copy of your book The Power of One More. You can head to thepowerofonemore.com. You can head anywhere books are sold, get a copy. And I recommend grabbing a couple extras for those that you love, or maybe even your partners in business, grabbing a copy for them because this book is truly game changer and it's going to help everyone in your life. And then go ahead and follow Ed Milette and myself at It's Emily and tag us both in reading this and sharing this episode. Share this with five friends today because I know that I know that I know it is going to bless their life. And lastly, if you would go ahead and rate and review this episode, I would greatly appreciate it. Many blessings to you. We'll see you soon.